How'd you like another impeachment trial? Hi, I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, and this episode of Right Angle is brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. And gentlemen, just in case America has not had its fill of impeachment trials after two for Donald Trump, uh, we actually have one going on in Texas, even as I speak right now, assuming it hasn't already ended. Um, it started uh, Tuesday morning, September 5th at 9 o'clock Central Time. It was the impeachment of Attorney General uh, Ken Paxton, whose actual name is Warren Kenneth Paxton. And um, I think, guys, I, I, this is really not about the guilt or innocence of Kenneth Paxton in regard to this. I mean, as we all know, an impeachment is not a legal proceeding. It's a political proceeding. He is temporarily suspended from his job while the outcome of the impeachment trial is determined. There are 20 charges brought by the Texas House against him. The Texas Senate is sitting as a jury with the uh, Texas uh, lieutenant um, governor sitting as the judge in this case. Uh, the judge is a Republican. Paxton is a Republican. A majority of the Senate is Republican. Uh, and a majority of the House is Republican as well. Um, however, they did bring some 20 charges against Paxton. In the first three hours, Stephen Green, and I had this on the TV in the background because I thought, well, certainly we're going to hear something significant here. The basic allegations are about abuse of power uh, by, a, by an elected official. I'm not going to get into the, into the details of it, but, uh, but various ways that Paxton may or may not have abused power in his position. During the first three hours, it was consumed with nothing but voice votes, or I'm sorry, electronic votes read out loud uh, on each of the objections that the defendant was filing against his impeachment. And this went on for a couple of hours. And after each of the electronic votes was tallied and then the clerk read it out loud, then the judge would then poll each member to ask them to confirm their vote. Every one of them came down like 22 to 8. Um, so none of the, none the of the partisan objections, lines. yeah, none of the objections were sustained. And actually, I don't even know if they were partisan lines, but that sounds about right. Um, okay. so anyway, but it, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter because he's a Republican. So you would think if he had support among Republicans that some of his objections would be sustained, none of them were sustained. Uh, then they read the charges against him, all 20 of them, all articles of impeachment. And the defendant had to answer, guilty or not guilty. The only interesting part came when the uh, the attorney for the attorney general was answering, but he was kind of embellishing. He wouldn't just say, not guilty. He would say, he would say because these charges are utterly fabricated and not true and, you know, not a shred of proof or whatever. It's a political uh, act. Yeah. Not guilty. So finally, after he had done this, I don't know, eight times, somebody objected and said, hey, the, the attorney here is not on the witness stand. He's not supposed to be mounting a defense. He's supposed to say guilty or not guilty. So they the next time they asked him the question, his response was absolutely not guilty. <laughs> He, he couldn't restrain himself. Um, but re the reason why I thought this was interesting, Steve, is I don't know how impeachment even works anymore. You know, like how can you how can you even do an impeachment trial 
when it's really just in in-house uh, discipline for for the government? And does anybody really care about this stuff? If this happened in your state, would you be glued to the TV trying to figure out what happened to the <laughs> attorney general and whether he had abused his office? No, I wouldn't be. And I follow this stuff for a living, not for the money, uh, because I love it. I just, I've been steeped in politics my whole life, and I just, I, I just absolutely love it. Um, but, oh, let me dispel one notion, though. I think that is very important, and nobody ever says this except me. Donald Trump was only impeached one time. I don't know what that second impeachment was, but it was not an impeachment. Uh, Nancy Pelosi just pulled one over on the country. The Constitution says that when a president's being impeached, that the chief justice of the Supreme Court shall preside. Shall preside. It's not a, he, he could be there, he should be. No, he, that, that's part of the definition of an impeachment. And whatever you think of Chief Justice John Roberts, I don't happen to think of him uh, very well of him, he was not invited. He did not preside. It was not an impeachment. It was just another Nancy Pelosi sham, and everybody just needs to shout that to the rooftops every time they're told or reminded that uh, Donald Trump was impeached twice. Didn't happen. Not the second one. All right. That said, I think maybe the real problem with impeachment is we don't use it often enough. Not nearly often enough. Um, you know, Jack Kennedy was afraid he was going to get impeached over the Bay of Pigs for a decision he made as 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 president. Um, and honestly, I think we should be impeaching people in government left and right all the time and uh, with much stiffer punishments than simple removal from office. Uh, I don't know. Uh, long walks off of short planks comes to mind. Uh, the, the real problem the, not the problem, the, the, the burden of self-government, of, uh, of representative government like we have, is that it requires a certain level of uh, competence and integrity on the part of those people that we elect. And when we don't hold them to account because we keep re-electing them or we replace the people we elect with, that we elected last time with people who were just as bad this time, or the fact that Congress is not willing to impeach gross incompetence. In fact, I think part of the reason we're in such a fix right now is that uh, Lois Lerner just just wasn't taken out and shot uh, back when she was politicizing the IRS. And I'm exaggerating for effect here, of course. Uh, but the fact that uh, the Republicans were only willing to go so far in their prosecution of, of the crimes going on against conservatives at the IRS... Uh, that really opened the floodgates for a lot of bad behavior. We need a lot of impeachment. We need a lot of throwing the bastards out each and every election. And we need, we need to demand better behavior from all of these SOPs. Because when you look around you, when you look at this mess, that's on us. Bill Whittle, I think um, it's interesting the way they run this trial. They basically set aside 24 hours for one side to make its case, 24 hours for the other side to make its case. Apparently, there were some 500 witnesses that could potentially be called, but obviously, they're not going to have time to get 500 witnesses in there within that limited scope of time. Um, they paraded a bunch of witnesses into the chambers and uh, swore them all in at the same time. Um, but I think, Steve... Uh, made me think of uh, probably the fundamental issue here. The judge 
is a fellow politician, in this case, the lieutenant governor. Uh, the jury is made up of fellow politicians, more than half of whom are from the same party as the person. Um, if, if I were going to trial for a crime in a, in a criminal court, in just a normal circumstances, I wouldn't expect that a jury of my peers would be made up um, primarily of retail salespeople, most of whom work in my department and who generally like me. Um, so, <laughs> like, I don't, I, how do you, how can you even call this a trial to consider these articles of impeachment when in reality, the jury members have all got to be thinking, wow, there but for the grace of God go I. Well, that's, I think you're really on it, uh, Scott. Um, first of all, I agree with Steve. Uh, I think one of the reasons why this this insistent and increasing lawlessness on the part of government officials is not even lawlessness, it's just plain disdain for the law. It's just, it's just plain wow. scorn, yeah. scorn for the law. Um, is a result of this equation, it's a family show, but the, the, the modified form of the equation is fool around and find out. Um, you know, the, the, this guy drew this, uh, dry board explanation of fool around and find out. The, the more fooling around you do, the more find out you should get. Find out means the, the consequences, right? So um, there is no, there are no consequences. And without consequences, then you have no incentive for good behavior. Um, and, and what you end up with is serious mechanisms that were put in place by, by, by the founders both in terms of the state and on the and on the federal level, impeachment is an important part of that procedure. Impeachment basically is the emergency fire bell. The the way that the, that our government is structured, the way it's supposed to work is, is if we see things in there in in, in behavior in politicians that we don't like, we we vote them out of office in the next cycle. That's how it's supposed to work, and that's how it has worked for quite a long time. That's why the genius of the of the Constitution is you have a house that you could you could flush the entire house. Every two years, you could just completely flush every single one of the people out of there. And so, what impeachment to me is is it's the it's the fire bell. It's like we have a we have a real serious emergency now where major crimes are being committed, and the republic is in danger. And this is an extraordinarily serious and should therefore be an extraordinarily rare event, which which should demand uh, a great deal of seriousness and a great deal of of um, uh, sadness. We talked about this during the impeachment uh, yeah. efforts at Donald Trump. Was it that this isn't something that should be celebrated or or even um, even accepted? It, it should be it should be a tragedy that we're having to go through this, and and so we're back to our our fundamental problem, Scott, and that is that this government was designed for a virtuous people, and, and it cannot function any other way. With with. With a world where everything is a party vote, where impeachment—you know—I I did not know what Steve had mentioned earlier about about that second so-called impeachment of Donald Trump that it that it did not have the the chief justice there, and so therefore, by legal definition, was not an impeachment. That's kabuki. That's taking very serious and effective structures that were brilliantly thought out and tested and debated, and turning it into a, a, a public relations campaign, and and. While this entire issue is interesting from a theoretical point of view, I keep coming back to the same problem, and that is if you do not have a virtuous people, you will not have virtuous politicians, and you will not have virtuous population that is determined to hold them to the, their feet to the fire. 
when enough politicians get away with open violation of the law, and I keep coming back to what has been the most egregious example in my lifetime, which is Hillary Clinton's emails where the director of the FBI does a 45-minute indictment and lists all of the number of felonies she's committed and then says, I don't recommend that we prosecute. When you get the idea that impeachment or no impeachment, is, it's irrelevant that these people are not going to pay the price. There is going to be no finding out for the fooling around. Then you're essentially in, in a kind of a moral freefall. And that's where I, I think we find ourselves, where these mechanisms that, that should be – you should be glued to your TV set if an attorney general is is going to be impeached for malfeasance. But, yeah. but it, it's just like, oh, uh, another politician, another crooked politician? Yeah. Mm-hmm. These cycles happen. I am encouraged – by what I used by by a, a change in my belief in, in a, a book called The Fourth Turning, which basically makes a compelling case that it's not like this happens once per civilization. It's like we lose faith in our government, civilization falls, and then we have to wait to the next civilization. These things do happen in cycles. We've had periods in American history where um, where where grift and and corruption were endemic, and and we recovered from those. The uh, Grant administration was notorious for not, – not just the Grant administration, the entire time, the era of the robber barons and all the rest of this stuff where, where the, the, the sense that the rich and powerful could get away with anything they want to, well, that was part of our history that we have recovered from. And then, and then we entered into the high level of morality that we, that we saw with the, the greatest generation in the years immediately following that. So I think these cycles are, are recoverable, but – I do think they have to end with some kind of a of a of a system reset rather than just a, a gradual, you know, drift back into normality. I think I think what we're headed for is a is a realization that that uh, the truest thing that was ever said about the United States government is that every other time in, in history the people have feared their government, and this was the only time that anyone ever created a government that feared the people. And and that's the ideal that we should be striving for. And so Steve's point is, need a whole lot more impeachments, is I happen to agree with. But if no consequences adhere to those uh, impeachments, then, then you're not strengthening the situation, you're making it worse. Yeah. There's nothing worse than a parent that threatens punishment and never delivers it. It's better to not threaten punishment at all than to threaten punishment and not deliver it. And and so we find ourselves in this situation today where there's lots of sound and fury signifying nothing. And, and it's time to take this a lot more seriously and make it clear to the American people that they can once again begin to have some uh, confidence in the fact that just because you're an elected official doesn't mean you can get away with with anything you want to. And if it turns out that this is a Republican in a Republican state with a Republican governor and a Republican House and a Republican Senate, then that's all the more reason for this guy to be found guilty as far as I'm concerned. I, I'm a big believer in the presumption of innocence. I know nothing about the details of this case. However, if it turns out that this Republican attorney general is guilty of these crimes, then it is the obligation of the Republican government, the Republican Senate, and the Republican House to get him out of office. And if there are criminal charges that can be attached to this, apply them, enforce them, convict him, and send him to jail. 
And if it turns out that only one party is doing that, then at least that's the party I want to be a part of. And, and over time, this will become apparent to people who aren't members of either party, that one group of people is holding its, its elected res representatives accountable and the other one isn't. And then you can decide which one of those two parties you want to belong to. But I know which one I want to belong to. And that's probably the most encouraging thing about this whole impeachment procedure here in Texas is that Republicans are involved in filing these charges and in sitting in judgment. However, it, in my mind, either this is an internal party discipline matter, in which case party leaders in the House of the Senate and the governor's mansion take the attorney general aside, or frankly, in this case, the governor and just says, look, Ken, uh, these are these are serious charges. I'm going to give you an opportunity to resign right now so you can get your house in order and and deal with the possible coming criminal charges. Either it's an internal party discipline matter or it's criminal court. But I don't think that the that the show of an impeachment with all the partisan baggage that carries and no doubt for 24 hours, we're going to hear not only uh, what a villain and, and vermin uh, Ken Paxson is from his political opponents, uh, but we're also going to hear how, you know, Republicans in general uh, should be thought of that way. Um, it, people, I think, look at impeachment and say, look, this is either at the mildest level, a difference of opinion as to what really happened. After all, the attorney general's uh, lawyer stood there and 20 times said, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, and and then added in his little interpretation of saying these things, these charges are false, they never happened. You know, either this is a different of, difference of opinion or it's just a political weapon, whether intra-party or inter-party it's a political weapon. Either way, it shouldn't be in the hands of politicians. Um, they're, they're wasting our time with this. To add to the absurdity of the whole thing, uh, Senator Angela Paxton is in the room watching the proceedings. She does not have a vote. Senator Angela Paxton is married to the defendant. And she can't vote on the matter, but she's sitting in the chamber. So essentially, she's part of the sitting jury, but not able to. To, to cast a ballot on that. And one of the allegations, at least, has to do with a mistress that may have been involved with the attorney general. Um, it, to me, the longer things like this go on, the more it reinforces people's belief that politics is just a circus of political opportunists who are craving power and trying to destroy their uh, political opponents, not for the good of the people, uh, but for their own good and for their own uh, desire to cling to power. And the party that really has integrity, I think, is the one that stands up and says, uh, look, Ken, you're done. Um, you need to step aside now. Um, if you want a trial, we'll do one in a criminal court, but we're not going to put on this show. Because it's very possible that he is acquitted of all 20 of these charges and restored to his office as attorney general. That is an easily conceivable outcome of this. Um, or that he's convicted of some of the charges and not removed from office. They don't have to remove him from office. They could just censure him. Um, it, this is a broader issue in my mind about how you use such a tool and 
to me, I I'm kind of take the opposite position of Steve. Yes, there are a lot of people who deserve to be impeached, but I, I don't think they deserve to be impeached. They they deserve to be tried in a criminal court. Um, <laughs> I, and, I stand corrected. Because, I, I like that much better. Because because impeachment really is a political tool, and it, you can't use a political tool without politicizing it, and then nobody believes it. Because they just, you know, they just think, oh, one side wants what they want, the other side wants what they want, and to hell with all of them. Um, so I, I'm not going to watch any further coverage of this. I kept thinking they would actually do something or say something meaningful. They actually spent three hours doing nothing but reviewing what could have been covered in an email. Um, so, <laughs> so what's going to happen after that, I have no idea, but I don't plan to be part of it. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible.